This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, hope you're doing well on Thursday, the 27th of October. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. You'll hear about a young mum's struggles to find accommodation and calls for a radical overhaul of the 101 call system shortly. But first, Kent Strictly Come Dancing stars James and Ollie Jordan say they found themselves homeless after meeting with a very rude landlord. James, who was born in Medway, posted on Instagram saying he's searching for somewhere to live for six months before moving into a new home with his wife and two-year-old daughter. It comes after the couple put their five-bedroom Seven Oaks mansion up for sale for £2.5 million earlier this year. Now, a mum says she'd rather sleep in a car than in what she says is mouldy temporary accommodation in Ashford. Jade Connor and her four-month-old son are now homeless after rejecting the property. Jamie joins me now to tell us more on this story. So, Jamie, why did she turn the property down? Well, the mum and her son were placed in Ashford Central Guest House in Wellesley Road by Canterbury City Council, but she walked out within just two hours. She claims it wasn't fit for a dog and has taken pictures showing the extent of the damp as well as electrical wires coming out of the wall. And after finding mould, the 25-year-old said she wasn't prepared to stay there because she suffers from Graves' disease, which is a condition where the immune system mistakenly attacks the thyroid. What's her situation now, Jamie? Well, she's calling on the council to do more and says she's upset that she can't begin to take the next steps in her life. She's been unemployed since June last year and had to leave her job as a care worker as she battled with her health and the loss of a child. The mum was fostered when she was just 13 and her former foster family have now taken on baby Michael. And what have the city council said? Well, the authority says it had warned her that if she turned down the room, its duty to provide temporary accommodation would end. But a spokesman added that they've not removed Miss Connor from any accommodation and they're working with her to try and find a long-term solution to her housing needs, as well as referring her to other relevant services for further support. Meanwhile, bosses at Ashford Central Guesthouse haven't responded to our requests for a comment. Thanks for the details, Jamie. Kent Online reports. And the man who oversees the running of Kent Police has admitted the 101 call system needs to improve. It's after we were told in some cases it was taking up to 40 minutes for a call to be answered, while other people who dialed simply gave up. The number is meant to be used to report non-emergency matters like suspicious behaviour or a crime that's already been committed. Matthew Scott is the Police and Crime Commissioner. I don't want a situation where people don't have the confidence to call the police. 101 is a vital service and I want it to improve. I know that the call handlers, the call takers are working their best to try and answer as many calls as they possibly can. And we need to have a look at the high vacancy rate that we have, uh, the resourcing of the control room, to make sure that people can phone 101, report crime and antisocial behaviour quickly and effectively. A report last month revealed more than half of all calls to 101 in Kent made in July went unanswered. 
The force is currently trying to recruit more call handlers. David Naylor is from Victim Support in Kent. Well, if people are complaining that they can't get through to the police to report an incident, then it's clear that it is not fit for purpose. I think you said already the stats show that in Kent, the service isn't working as it should do, comparable to other areas. So, no, I don't think it's fit for purpose. I think it's really important that the PCC, Matthew Scott, has acknowledged that there are problems. Um, That's really the first step to making a change for the better. But there's a way to go. We know that how important it is for victims of crime when they are wanting to make that report. um, It's essential that they feel that they are going to be able to get through to report that. If they don't succeed the first time, then it just sets a really bad precedence for people's expectation from the criminal justice system. I'd also say as well that 101 is not just for people to report a crime. It's also the number that people call to try and get an update on their case when they have already reported it. So again, it just damages the trust that people have in the criminal justice system if it isn't working from the very beginning. We support people whether or not they've reported an incident to the police. Um, Again, if your first contact with the police is so difficult and if it can feel sometimes actually, why bother? then how are people going to engage with the rest of the criminal justice system? As victim support, we want people to be able to report the crime. We want people as well to have the entitlements that come to them as a victim of crime. If they can't report it, that's just not going to happen. It is not just 101 that's a problem. The entirety of the criminal justice system needs to be looked at. It's great if we can fix 101. But if we look at the rest of the criminal justice system, it isn't working. We know that there are massive court delays. People's cases are being put back by years. People are getting ready to attend court and then having their court date cancelled the day beforehand. We can fix one thing. That's great. We need to fix everything. There needs to be investment in the entirety of the criminal justice system. Kent Online reports. Our other top stories today. A man's in hospital with serious injuries after being hit by a car in Broadstairs High Street. Police and paramedics were called when it reportedly happened yesterday afternoon. A pair of burglars who staged 12 break-ins across Kent have been jailed for a total of more than five and a half years. During a month-long crime spree last November, the men made off with cash and electronic goods after stealing from businesses and charities in places like Faversham and Hearn Bay. The 23- and 43-year-olds were eventually caught when police put together CCTV footage and found clothes linking them to the burglaries. A man's been prosecuted for drink driving after being pulled over in an area near Dartford known for so-called boy races. Police have been carrying out increased patrols around Crossways Boulevard in Greenhithe following complaints from residents. The 26-year-old was stopped in September. He's now been given a 12-month driving ban and ordered to pay nearly £800. People living on an estate in Dover say they're worried and unnerved after an asylum seeker walked into a woman's house. It happened in Acliffe, with the man demanding to use a phone and be driven to Manchester. It's thought he'd just arrived after crossing the channel. Carly Bishop lives on Old Folkestone Road and spoke to our reporter Sam Lennon. A lot of place about, um, and there's obviously helicopters, a lot of people are really concerned. I've spoken to quite a few of the elderly people that are really concerned about it. They're hoping the police will be present in yeah. the near coming future because they don't want incidents like this there's a lot of elderly work yeah. you say the police came and spoke to you yeah um just along the road just up there they spoke to us um they obviously had dogs helicopters there's uh, quite a few um, police officers so about 20. 
all in all. No, they're obviously taking it very seriously. The council say they'll be meeting with residents to discuss their concerns. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Environmental campaigners in Kent are welcoming Rishi Sunak's decision to reintroduce a ban on fracking. The move is in line with the Conservatives' 2019 manifesto. Their worth is the controversial technique, which involves drilling to extract gas from rocks, could cause tremors and water pollution. Tunbridge Green Councillor Mark Hood has welcomed the move, but still has concerns. Well, I'm absolutely delighted that the government's seen sense. Um, it, made, um, it was completely incomprehensible that we would um, reintroduce fracking, especially um, when you consider the geology of the UK and the the, the comments from the ex-geologist from Quadrilla who made the point that it's just not um, not suitable. We haven't got, there's not um, a suitable geology and there, there aren't the um, kind of reserves available for extraction that would make any kind of meaningful change in terms of the affordability of oil um, and energy prices. So in, in the short term, wouldn't work. In the long term, it affects our um, water uh, sources detrimentally so we, uh, you can't um, remedy uh, the the polluted aquifers once they've um, once they've been polluted by the toxic um, extraction fluids so uh, yeah this is this is very good news and we hope that um, fracking is now consigned to the history books as far as far as the UK is concerned in East Kent there were three sites around Dover and we know that the the East Kent against fracking were very vociferous about the potential damage that the fracking process can do in terms of the aquifers which um, local people rely on 100% in East Kent uh, for their drinking water and also and the fracking process requires huge uh, volumes of water so um, in a county like Kent where water is very much a, um, a resource that's in great demand it's very difficult um, to justify. I think it's difficult to feel secure because we can see how many U-turns there are. We um, we can see how many different administrations are coming in and out. So I don't think we can feel uh, secure yet. I think we've got a massive problem where you've got uh, lobbyists like Net Zero Watch, who've got um, their advocates like Craig McKinley are in the background all the time. And you've got um, Steve Baker, who's part of that organisation as well. And he's he's actually sat around the um, the cabinet table. And only, only a matter of days ago, of course, Conservative MPs flooded through the um, the voting lobbies to support fracking. So it's kind of it's it's. I don't think we can relax just yet uh, because you never know what's coming next. Because the fossil fuel lobby has has got a hold of this this Conservative um, party, and we need to we need to be on our guard to make sure that this. This never comes back. Meanwhile, a man leading a delegation from Canterbury to COP27 is urging the king to attend. It's being reported Charles has decided not to travel to Egypt for the climate conference next month. That's despite his passionate commitment to environmental issues. Dr Carl Wright is chair of the Canterbury Climate Action Partnership and wants to see him there. He's been chatting with Nicola. The turbulence in government and in politics has kind of distracted a lot, but I know with COP27 coming up, and again, we'll have last last year, I'll be leading a small delegation from Kent uh, to, to the COP conference. Um, I think that will focus our, our minds much more on what does need to be done, both at the local level, at the county level, and indeed at the national UK level, where there's been, of course, with the Ukraine war, some some uh, trends to, to rely on fossil fuels, which I think is definitely the wrong way 
to, to approach things. Yeah, as you say, it's been a pretty turbulent 12 months, an awful lot going on. But if things settle down, what would you like to see happening with the new government? Do they need how much of a priority do they need to make the climate and, and tackling climate change? That's the top priority. I mean, the whole issue of, of climate and green recovery, more precisely, is, is central to, you know, not just the recovery from COVID, not just the addressing the ongoing problems of Brexit, but but really, you know, dealing with the, the climate crisis. And, and so many countries now across the world are doing green recovery programs. And this is something the UK has to get more serious about. What do you make of the protests that have been going on? Obviously, you saw the disruption that we had in Kent at the, the Dartford crossing with the, the Just Stop Oil protesters. We've seen other things happening across the country. What do you make to that and that kind of stance when it comes to trying to make a noise about the climate i'm not sure it's particularly helpful to have people's lives totally disrupted and and being upset about it i mean i think the public according to opinion polls is actually very aware of the climate issues clearly more needs to be done at the government level and i'm not sure what like, gluing yourself to motorways is the way forward to do that um so i think i think there are much better ways of addressing those issues whether it's taking some positive action at the local level like all these wonderful climate things we're doing in canterbury or indeed lobbying your local MP or councillors. So that would be the way I, I would see a better way forward. You mentioned COP27 that's coming up very soon. I think we heard the other day that perhaps the King won't be going along. I'm not too sure if he will change his mind, but what are you hoping will be achieved from the conference this time around? I was disappointed about that because, you know, I've had the honour of meeting him a number of occasions in the past when he was Prince of Wales and, of course, very, very committed on climate. And I think, you know, his, his moral influence does does play a role and should be used uh, by the UK in that sense. Um, but uh, what needs to be achieved at COP? Well, I think we need to really pick up where we left off last year. I think we've been thrown a bit by the Ukraine war and by other things, and we've really got to get back on track again. You know, as I said, we, we mustn't be tempted by fossil fuels. In fact, if anything, the, the current energy cost spiral shows that we, we've got to go towards wind farms, sustainable energy, which is actually a lot cheaper than gas and oil. Um, and, and so the, the focus has to be really on those kind of sustainable energies. And of course, we're doing a lot off the coast of Kent with all our wind farms, but we can do a lot more. You mentioned the king there. Obviously, he's been very outspoken in the past about climate. Do you think within his new role, he would still speak out or do you think perhaps he should use his role to, to speak again about what he would like to see happen? I, I think he should, basically. I think he's got a lot of credibility. He's got a lot of moral authority. He did go to the Glasgow conference last year when he was Prince of Wales and I think there's no reason why he shouldn't be very um, outspoken and play a role internationally to really alert the, the broader international community as well as the UK government uh, to, to do more. Elsewhere work on the Lower Thames Crossing could start as early as 2024. If it gets the go-ahead, the 14-mile tunnel linking Kent and Essex will double road capacity across the Thames. There are concerns, though, with some worried about the safety of the smart motorway plans. The MP for Favsham and Mid-Kent has been given a job in government. Helen Waitley's been appointed as a Minister of State in the Department of Health and Social Care. A Grade 2 listed former 18th century coaching inn between Faversham and Canterbury is going to be turned into a Costa. The drive-through will be on the London-bound side of the A2 at the Gate Services. It was also once a little chef and then Sheila's Kitchen, but has been derelict for several years. 
and a Maystone shop that was due to be turned into a 132-room hotel where the rooftop bar has been put up for sale. The value store, which used to be Mothercare on Wig Street, is on the market for £3 million to buy or £30,000 a year to rent. The hotel plans were first unveiled in 2019 and approved the following year, but nothing has happened since. Now, have you got into the spooky spirit yet? As we get closer to Halloween, we've been taking a look at some of the supposed scariest places in Kent. You might have already heard about Pluckley near Ashford, which is said to be the most haunted village in Britain. But one so-called ghost hunter claims West Morling has far more paranormal activity. You can find out about the sightings there at Kent Online. Meanwhile, it's hoped thousands of pounds will be raised for charity thanks to an incredibly spooky house in Medway. The property on Lower Raynham Road has been decorated for Halloween. It's covered in web and comes complete with a giant spider. Reporter Megan Carr has been along to meet Kieran King, who created it. It all started back when I lived in Bexley. My, uh, my oldest son back then was uh, 12 years old. And, uh, started out doing it together, um, but he, now he's all grown up and he's not interested in helping me anymore. So it's, it's on to the youngest. I start building around June time. Just so I've got enough time, you know, with work and family commitments, do a couple of hours here and there, and the kids get involved and help out. So obviously everything's built from scratch. Why do you, why do you do that? Does it make it more fun? Save money. It, 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 the giant spider's come about because um, I wanted to get some from America, but I just can't get them here. The posts are just too much. So I thought it'd work out cheaper to, to build, and it, and it has. So the first one started out as expanding foam, um, and that that turn out to be so expensive so I then the, the giant one is now polystyrene which I got recycled from work what makes you want to like do this obviously you're raising money for Demelza could you tell me a bit more about yeah, that yeah it, it never originally started out as fundraising for charity it was something to do with the kids during you know during the summer you know something to do and then obviously the week of Halloween with, with you know the family thing, we get involved last year we had so many people come up come over and then they offered to donate and it seemed such a waste not to you know, do the donations. Um, around at Christmas time, I go on a bike ride, uh, and we do the we go around all the Demelzers, dressed as Santa Claus, you know, and snowmen and that, and, and deliver presents. So, what perfect charity to donate to? The one I already got help out with, and they're only up the road. So last year, in three days, we done just shy of two thousand seven hundred pounds. Obviously, your house is going to be a big hot spot on the big day, on the 31st. Yeah. Um, what do you say to any trick-or-treaters that might dare to come to your haunted house? The main thing is just be careful of the road. It's yeah. so busy. You know, um, it's, it's, that's the main thing. Just come along, enjoy it, dress up. I've got rows... I've got a limited number, but I've got some rosettes for best rest. They're raising money for Demelza Children's Hospice. And it's 30 years since the Royal Victoria Place Shopping Centre in Tunbridge Wells was officially opened by Princess Diana. Images on our website show the huge crowds who welcomed her during a visit to the town in October 1992. At that time, John Major was Prime Minister and petrol was 40p a litre. Don't we all wish that was still the case? Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing at kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.